Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sheer Clarity, and I am delighted to be here. I am Jay Kevin McHugh, the host of Sheer Clarity. Today is going to be an incredibly interesting podcast, at least I think so, especially since last episode we talked about humility. I think I may want to calm it down a little bit, try to practice what we preach. I actually, <laughs> I actually think it is an incredible episode. It's called The Power of Your Worldview. And I'm going to tell you what a worldview is, the definition of it. I'm going to tell you why it's important to you. And then I'm actually going to give you the essential questions for you to ponder so you can determine what your worldview is. Before I do that, I want to introduce my producer, Matthew Passy. Matthew, welcome to today's show, my friend. Thank you, Kevin. Always excited to be here with you and excited to explore this topic. The worldview, yes. It's interesting the number of people in their 30s who, because of that time of life, they don't think about this one at all. They're busy. They're busy making a name for themselves, posting a few early wins. Just got done college. You got to pay off my bills, blah, 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 blah. But this worldview, especially if I can get the younger folks interested in this, it can make a huge difference in the way the rest of your life goes. Let me plant this seed here or foundation. It's more than a seed. It's just like a rock we'll build this on. Let me explain what a worldview is. Are you ready for this? Are you in your seat? Are you taking notes? Let's do it. Yes. Okay. A worldview is an individual's personal theory of the world. That is, your personal sensibilities, comprehension, understanding, and thoughtfulness about the world, about the nature of my very existence within it. Now, this becomes influenced by a bazillion forces and factors. Some would say we even have inherited characteristics which influence the way we think. I do a lot of personality assessment. That'll be a great episode one day, what it is and how to use it well. But it's also your worldview, your theory about living and all that goes with it is influenced by your background and your experiences in life. And it's also a combination of your values and your attitudes, belief systems, habits. It's really a mental model of how you explain reality. This is this entire framework of your internalized attitudes and ideas about the world, about yourself, about life, and it encompasses your belief system. 
So far, so good. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So what generally the worldview answers are the following questions. A, what do you believe about the nature of all existence? How did you come to be here? And how did all of it come to be here? All of it meaning the whole universe as you understand it. It also explains what you believe about causality. How thoughtful have you been about theories that explain the causality? The second question that your worldview is going to answer is, what are humans about? Why is a human different from anything else on the planet? Why am I here? And then it gets juicier. What is the purpose of my life? The overarching zero-to-death purpose. What's my purpose how I make decisions on time and everything else about the stuff life is made of, what is your guiding force about your understanding of your purpose? What is it? How do you see it? How did you even come to know it or believe it? Now I'm at, how do you believe the whole thing got going? What do I believe is my individual purpose? Then I get to the third question, what is meaning? And what is significance? What are the values I have? And oh, by the way, what is the source or foundation of my value beliefs? Not only what do I believe, how did I come to believe it? What is the rationale? Your last one is kind of, what is my belief about the end of it all? Death, if you will. Like, okay, first of all, I know a fact is everybody's going to die. What do I think about the dying thing? And when I die, is that it? Am I worm food? Am I something else? I mean, this now elevates you into the realm of life beyond death and whether you believe such a thing exists. Those are the core questions that formulate a worldview I often tell clients, I say, hey, if you want a bonus question after you work through them, which only take you 20 minutes, right? <laughs> the bonus question I ask, so how the heck do you explain the random suffering in this whole world? All right, I'll stop there and let that settle in on you. While everyone is thinking about that for themselves, because it's a lot of very deep questions, and I know if you've never been approached by those, they can be a little bit tricky, not tricky, but a little bit jarring to have to answer those. And I know this because when I first engaged with a certain podcast host of a show called Sheer Clarity, <laughs> I was asked many of these questions. So if you ever wonder, by the way, does Kevin McHugh really believe this stuff or is he just espousing some random BS and you know making us all look silly? No, no. This is, in fact the line of questioning that was part of our first interaction when figuring out whether or not we were going to work together. Kevin asked me all these questions and I was admittedly taken aback by it at first thinking, 
I'm not sure how all this is relevant, but seems like a nice guy. I'll play ball. Made me think about some things that I hadn't really thought about in a long, long time. But no, this is real. This is not just Kevin trying to make you look silly. <laughs> no, no. It is jarring for a lot of folks. And the truth, I think, is not, people don't spend a lot of time thinking about these questions. Or they spend too much time thinking about these well, questions. Yeah, I guess you could overdo this. You can overdo this. I think the essence, if you want to relate this to leadership, I'm looking for leaders who have a fundamental sense of themselves, have examined conceptually things like character and morality and virtue. A thoughtful leader has considered these big macro pictures. Well, why? Because if you're going to have a presence and a persona that appears strong, in other words, people can depend on you. Why? Because this is a strong person. I trust them because there is an eminent sort of strength to them. Now, when we talked at the last episode about humility, we included this humility as part of your attractiveness and certainly a source of strength. But you can't actually project or possess any sort of super strength if you yourself are a walking contradiction filled with unanswered questions about nature existence and purpose and meaning and where you're going and what are your underlying values based on what you believe about the nature of all reality. If you haven't answered that, who the hell are you when you're going out picking up your weapons and firing your bullets at problems and accomplishments and achievements and you're directing people and you want people to follow you and you're standing on the ground, which is essentially three feet of mud What's your base? What's your freaking base? What are you standing on that provides you strength? You don't build a house on a pile of sand. You can build on sand, but anybody who's doing it is drilling a hole way down until they've hit something called bedrock. What's bedrock? That's the bottom. It doesn't move. It's bedrock. And well, okay, if I'm going to build a house over here, I better have at least a half a dozen pillars down into bedrock. So what's your bedrock? How do you operate without something called bedrock? Stability. You're clear. You've thought about it. You've made a decision. You've examined the evidence and it's out there and you don't have to go too far to get it. The easy way is go plug into some YouTube videos for a couple hours, pour yourself a cold beer or a glass of wine or my case, club soda, and just start listening to what's happening. You even get a grip on like, Jesus, I don't know. And for a lot of people, it just gives them a brain headache. It's like a ice cream freeze. You know, I hit them with the questions. Whoa, too much. I got to go back to work. Thank you very much. Well, 
I'm sorry if it's overloading you. Too bad. You need this. You have to have this. If you want to walk in the world like a person who's walking with confidence, walking on solid ground, as opposed to guys walking around in flip-flops that stick in the mud that I'm walking through. How do you stand up for anything if you don't even have a foundation for what you stand up for? I will tell you, when people go after these questions, and let's post them on the website, I have all these typed up. They're on a worksheet called the Worldview Exercise. We'll make it there for people. You can download it and take it and play with it over time. But if you haven't done this work, you're missing an important part of your strength, your core. All right, I got to stop. What's going on with your head over there, man? (laughs) One thing about these questions that I think might be intimidating to a lot of folks is that they might come across as having a religious slant to them. When you're approaching the concept of the meaning of life and you're approaching mortality, if you are not a religious person, that you might not be thinking about these questions as often as others do, or if the person asking the question has a different or has a more focused passion for their religion, is more observant of their religion, that you might be afraid of answering these correctly or not having a strong answer at all. And the truth is, you can still answer them. You should still answer them. You should be able to answer them regardless of whether or not you yourself are considered a religious person. I agree 100%. It's interesting to me because you are just like pretty much everyone else. This whole set of questions brings up inside a creator, life force, universe, you know, whatever, outside of you, outside of existence, And it does generate the question. I'm not sure I would equate that to religious. To me, religious is a subset of an existential, philosophical inquiry. It leads there, for sure, the way it led you there. But before you dip your thought process into the religiosity I think you can just speak existentially, philosophically, without having to tread into those waters. So if I net it down to the net of the Big Bang, for example, some people are satisfied at that point. Yes, I think something happened. That's it. Or they may conclude, Something happened. We don't know what it is, but we don't have to know. Someday, we'll figure it out. Or the Darwinian or the atheist, the non-God, they pretty much believe it's a combination of, yes, something happened, and then something happened, and then something happened. And all those somethings continue through some process, and we ended up here. And I happen to know I think these folks would define themselves as atheists. One does specifically. They're awesome people. I love them. And they 
do good and they know the difference between good and bad. And to them, it's part of their DNA. It's a moral imperative. And we get into long philosophical arguments about it. That's their belief. When you get down to it, eventually this will kind of end up in the category of is there a creation effort agency beyond my personal orientation is there is i have a christian orientation but if you take out the christian piece and just leave it to how did this all begin if there was a big bang it makes sense to me that something outside of nature as we know it like we use our science we figured out the universe is roughly 14 billion years old now, over the last 10 years, scientists are tending to line up with solid evidence that the universe began. They can track down to a beginning. And then that poses the question, well, okay, what the heck caused the beginning? <laughs> so from a logic perspective is every time I try to posit something that did the cause, what caused the cause takes you down into an endless loop. So if I say... How about an uncaused cause? Then, on a logic standpoint, that makes sense. Well, what could be uncaused? Well, something transcendent, supernatural, etc. But I don't want to get too far down there because I want people who are listening to actually have this podcast cause them the kind of reflection that has an impact on the way they lead people the way they go about the world, the way they go about managing. When I go to work, I have goals and I have drives and I have initiatives. If I'm a leader, I have a heck of a lot of responsibility. I'm responsible for people, shareholders, stakeholders, the rest of it. And how I go about making things happen is always going to be through people. And I'm just recommending here in this podcast that your strength of conviction is affected by your thoughtfulness behind these worldview questions. Landing on answers which in your mind stand up to the test of rationality and reason and thinking. You have to think them through and get them settled in your own mind because whether you know it or not, they are at work down below underneath the surface guiding you. Your value system, the core values you hold, your morality, your right and your wrong, all those are in play because you're just a human. And when you're at work, you're doing what humans do. You just happen to be the CEO or the executive vice president of XYZ, and you have five or 10 people who look up to you, and they may be sitting on top of an organization. You could be a Fortune 100 company, and you've got hundreds of thousands of people, or you could be a nice little machine shop that does 10 or 12 million a year, and you've got 45 or 50 people working in the plant. But in the end, when you go to work every day to lead, somewhere down below are these governing principles. And the extent to which you've been reflective and thoughtful about them is going to have an impact on 
the stability of your very being and your character. Are you buying that yet? I know you went down the religious path, and it certainly is absolutely points in that direction. And I think it's a great conversation in any context around these worldview questions. I find myself trying to stay away from it only because I don't want people shutting down. Because once a non-religious person hears it, it takes this topic off the table for them, and I don't think it should. That's why I brought it up, because when these questions were first posed to me by you, not that I think you framed it in any way that would cause that, but that was just sort of my natural- That's where you went, and that's fine. Right. That's what my natural reaction to these questions were. And it took me a minute to kind of think about it and realize what it was that you were really asking. And so whether you're the person who is asking these questions of the people who work with you or the people who are you looking to bring on or the people who you're going to work for even, or you're the person on the other side who is receiving these questions, it's just important to think about why you do, what is the reason, what is the thing that drives you to get out of bed every day, put on your shirt and tie or your button down or your coat or your sweatshirt or in my case the hoodie that I'm wearing this morning <laughs> you know what gets you to turn your wheels and to get into the workforce and to be productive and it doesn't have to have a religious slant but it's important that your motivations are clear look your motivations might not be as pure as somebody else's that's okay but it means that you probably need to work in an environment where those motivations line up. So if you wake up every day and saying, all I want to do is make money, fine. That's not necessarily who I am, and that's maybe not necessarily who Kevin is, but there's probably a home for you that values the idea of making as much money as possible as a motivation. And so it's not to say that your motivations are right and wrong, good or bad, it's just about figuring out the environment and the right place to have your values aligned. And by the way, we're going to do an episode about money because I live in the world and work in the world where people have quite a bit of it and they do not have an edge on being happy. And I can tell you right now, just from firsthand experience, 25 years and my own personal life, money isn't going to do it. It does pave the way for a lot of good times, but it doesn't last. It doesn't quench the fire of need in the soul. And that's a whole nother topic. I think we're probably coming at it to the end of our time for this. I'd like to leave the audience with this idea. Since you did kind of bring up the R word, religion, and all this good stuff, let me just step it back. I mentioned in the last episode on humility, I alluded to the fact that I was a member of AA and had at least 11 or 12 years of sobriety. What I do know is that in that program, first step is to admit you're powerless over the alcohol. There's a powerlessness period, end of story. All your efforts to control it have not worked. And then the very next step is coming to believe that a power higher than yourself can return you to sanity. Now, this relates very much to the humility conversation. Because to feel something above you, something beyond you, gives you a place to submit and to come beneath. That's an empowering thing. So 
higher power conceptually, not necessarily religiously, is an important part of humility and an important part of your worldview. And if you've decided to conclude there's no such thing as higher power and that this is it, we, I'm born and I die and I go to worm food, there's no meaning whatsoever beyond it. If that is your operating philosophy, it has to be something that you have thought through, come to the conclusion, done your analysis, and if you end up after a robust and thorough search for the logic and the rationale behind your position, then so be it. And you live with that. I live with many, many people who worked it through, and they're wonderful people. I just like this idea of keeping it at a much higher plane, higher power. If you don't have one, then that's going to be fine. You just have to ask yourself the question, and how is that working for me as I go through this world? with a search for meaning and purpose and my responsibility for being a good human to all these people I'm in charge of. Because that's it in a nutshell. That is the worldview discussion. Well, that is a lot (laughs) for everyone to think about. And so we'll leave you with that today. As Kevin said, we want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Sheer Clarity. And As you are thinking about the idea of a worldview and the questions, we'll have, obviously, in the show notes, there will be the exercise of the worldview, and some of these questions will be listed there. And if these raise more questions for you, whether in answering them or whether in how you pose them to the people that you are looking to collaborate with, of course, you can ask us questions. Just email us, kevin at sheerclarity.com. Very simple, kevin at sheerclarity.com. It's a lot to think about, but it will be beneficial for you to go through these exercises, both for yourself and with others. And speaking of exercises to go through, we want to make sure that you join us next week. We're going to be talking about another important exercise for leaders at the midpoint in their life, something that's known as the halftime model. So be sure to be here with us next week. In the meantime, if you haven't yet, head to sheerclarity.com. You will find all the show notes related to this and previous episodes. There you'll be able to subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And of course, you'll be able to follow Sheer Clarity on social media and find a host of just incredible resources that will help you gain Sheer Clarity as you become the consummate leader by attraction. Again, it all happens at sheerclarity.com. He's J. Kevin McHugh. I am Matthew Passy, and we will see you next time on Sheer Clarity. Mm-hmm.